So tonight, in honor of your return to campus, I thought we would start with a pop quiz. <laughs> I told Rick this was going to be a really cheesy joke, and I think I was correct about that. Uh, but we are going to start with a, uh, with a pop quiz of sorts. Uh, no need to answer this aloud. Uh, have you ever worshipped another god, or anything else for that matter, that you might have made to become like a god for you? Have you ever turned an object or objects into an idol, something you worshipped or let at least take the place of God or maybe come before God? Have you ever misused God's name, you know, the dreaded using it in vain? Have you ever worked on the Sabbath or not kept it holy? Have you ever disrespected a parental type unit? Now, I hope and pray for all of you the answer to this next one is no, but have you ever killed anyone? Have you ever cheated in a relationship? Have you ever stolen something big or small? Have you ever told a lie? especially against someone else? And finally, have you ever wanted something that someone else has that you do not? Hopefully these sounded a little familiar as I was going through the list. These are, of course, the Ten Commandments. We've been talking all this Lenten season about covenant, and these are the basic rules of the covenant that God gave to the Hebrew people that officially made them a people, that officially made them God's people, and established the Jewish faith as they were exiting their time in Egypt, there at the mountain of Sinai. Now, as Christians, we've carried these uh, teachings, these rules, into our own faith and into our own religious ethic uh, because we recognize the value that they represent. I mean, they help us to establish a baseline of behavior for our lives. But think about this for a moment. Why do we follow these rules? I mean, why really? Imagine for a moment that there were no rules that you could do absolutely anything and everything that you wanted. How would that change you? How would you act? Would you be a different person? Would there be things that you would decide to do or not to do? If there were no standards of behavior, no rule of law, would that change who you are? Do we act in these ways because we are com we there do we act in these ways because there is a compulsion to follow the rules or is there something deeper Now thinking back again to that quiz I just gave you I'm assuming most of us would have found at least some of those a little challenging All of us have broken at least some of these foundational rules in one way or another now, the same was true for the Jewish people. Uh, Walter Brueggemann, uh, one of, a very noted theologian of the 20th, 20th and 21st century, uh, places this Jeremiah text from this evening 
in what he calls a season of failure in ancient Israel. The city of Jerusalem had been conquered and burned, the temple had been destroyed, the monarchy had been terminated, and the leading citizens deported into exile. This all came about, says the poet, because Israel broke the old covenants. Over a long period of time, Israel refused the commandments of, of Sinai. Israel did not take justice seriously and did not ground its life in the God of the Exodus. And so in covenantal perspective came the judgment of God. And this was the precursor to what led to our text this evening. The people had found themselves in diaspora, spread out among uh, the Babylonian Empire, taken from their homeland and forced to live as exiles. By the Israelite theology of the time, God had judged the people because of their neglect of the covenant relationship, had allowed for them to be conquered. And as we are coming into our text this evening, the people are beginning to move back to their homeland and starting new. The new covenant to which Jeremiah refers to here is not Jesus, as maybe our Christian ears might hear. It is a new covenant for the Jewish people, establishing, or rather reestablishing, the covenants at Sinai. After a time of strained, of strained relationship and separation, or at least a time when the people felt separated from God because they had been cast out from their holy places and their holy lands. And this new covenant has become a promise. A promise of repopulation and of rebuilding promise of a new beginning. Along with this new covenant, God also offers a new approach to covenantal relationship. God invites them not just to follow a set of rules, which in some ways by this point the Jewish people, their faith had become codified in a set of written and unwritten laws that they were expected to follow, the teachings of the temple. and. The beginnings of that came from Moses there on Sinai, but expanded and grew. And in many ways, this was about finding a truer and more holy and righteous way to live into what God had called them to be. It came from a good place, but it had become a rigid following of rules. And so God, in this new covenant, says, wait a minute. Rather than trying to follow a set of rules, this time I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to give you a set of rules to follow, but I'm going to write the law on your hearts so that you can carry it with you always. The whole point of covenant is not about getting us to fall in line. The whole point of covenant is getting us to fall in love. Covenant is about relationship with God and with one another. And it's written on our hearts 
Not so that we can rigidly follow a set of rules, but so that we might live it out daily in our lives, that it might become second nature to us, that it might be who we are and not just what we do. God's desire in, in giving us this new covenant is that it not just be remembered in our minds, but intertwined in our souls as an essential part of our being. God desires for us to see this not as a burden, but as a new way. A new way of living where it is intertwined in our DNA. It is just who we are. This way, this new way, this way of being. And it's the same things that Jesus came and was teaching. This new way of being and living in the world and with one another, coming and teaching these kingdom values. These are the laws that God is writing on our hearts, the kingdom values. The things that would transform us by the renewing of our hearts and our minds. And then the covenant promise becomes for us a new hope, a point of light to be anchored to, to be connected with, a place for hope to grow deep inside of us. This, by the way, is also the Lenten journey in a nutshell. We're walking ourselves towards Good Friday. We're almost there. Two weeks left before we make that final part of that journey to the cross and Jesus crucified and then finding our way back to God from the wilderness that we've been walking in these last four weeks now since Ash Wednesday. We've been wandering in the wilderness finding our way back to covenant relationship with God through forgiveness and redemption trying to find our way back to that which God has called us to, that right relationship with God that allows us to live into the values of the kingdom that God has called us to live. And in that, find wholeness in Christ our Redeemer. And to remember that in all things, we have been freely given this gift. Because Christ died and Christ was resurrected and Christ is with us even today. The covenant promise continues on because Christ is alive in us in this hope that is written into our hearts. Now, I talk a lot about hope and joy, and a lot of times I feel, uh, I, so if you know me, you know I'm an optimist, and I'm probably, I, I've been accused a time or two of wearing rose-colored glasses, because I tend to see the bright side of things, and I tend to look for the good things. And yet, when we look out at our world, uh, it's not exactly the same thing we see. And I'm not blind to that. I know this idea of living into this hope in the kingdom values is a little bit counterintuitive to how we live our lives. Brueggemann also wrote this, that we live in a world built on the understanding of commodity, 
It's the understanding that we keep track, that we have ledgers, and we make sure the books are balanced. So when you wrong me, I remember, and I'm going to hold it against you. At least that's the values that the world tends to teach us. The value of eye for an eye. The New Covenant relationship, though, says something different. It says to us that God has already balanced the books, that has wiped away all of our sin, and that like the people Jeremiah was speaking to, the people who understood themselves to be judged and allowed to be cast out, God is reminding us that we are not. In fact, that we're not cast out, but we are invited in to come together in honesty and integrity, to not pretend before God, but to be ourselves before God, to offer our good stuff and our bad, and remembering that God has wiped away the bad and welcomes us as who we are, inviting us to come and be ready and waiting to live into these kingdom values of the covenant. In my mind, it's kind of like a parent. And, you know, if you've ever seen a parent and their child, on occasion, there is discipline. Maybe you've experienced that from time to time in, throughout your life. And I hope for most of you that along with that discipline wasn't just a discipline and a leaving you be, but also those loving arms that were wide open and waiting as you came out of your timeout. <laughs> those arms that are ready to wrap around you and embrace you. And this is God. God is calling us out of the wilderness and saying, come on out of your time out. My arms are open wide and waiting for you. My love is here for you. And I know you haven't been perfect, and that's okay, because I still love you, because each and every one of you are my beloved children. And you know what? Now it's a whole new beginning. We get to start over again. And then we have to turn back to the world again and see the world that is broken and filled with hatred and violence and all of those things that are evil and seem so pervasive sometimes. And how do we hold on to hope in the midst of that? We've got the warm embrace of God on one hand, me with the rose-colored glasses, you know, looking at the world in bright and shiny, and then we've got the reality. And how do we hold on to that hope in our hearts? How do we hold on to those kingdom values in our hearts? Well, I want you to come along with me for a moment on a journey. I promise I'm wrapping this up here, because uh, I know this is a little bit longer than I normally go, but uh, I want you to come along on this journey and imagine an old man who's been living in exile for most of his life. Imagine this man has been forced from his country when he was young in a violent and terrible way of war that the soldiers had come and accused his father of being a soldier in civilian clothes, and despite the fact that his arm hung uselessly at his side and he was unable to hold a weapon, and when the man, then a, the old man, then a child, tried to intervene, he was struck down, knocked unconscious, and when he finally awoke, his father was no more, and his family was on their way to this new place, to living in exile, leaving behind a homeland he would likely never return to. 
Every day from then on, he felt the bitter taste of the bitter aftertaste of exile. Each afternoon when he napped, he would dream of returning to his childhood home. And these dreams would be so realistic that it would feel like he was actually there and he would experience the joy of being in his homeland, his place where he felt where he belonged. And then each day when he awoke from his nap, he would again be hit with the bitter reality. And imagine now at old age, the loss of family. First his father, and then his mother, and then three brothers, and two sisters, and now his wife. A man in exile whose world seems so much covered in heaviness and in the darkness of night, he can almost hear the crying of tears of grief, the inconsolable weeping of those longing for what is no more. And this can lead to these questions, these deep questions. Why would God allow this to happen? Why did God allow their home to be taken, their sacred places desecrated by those who had no reference, reverence for the things of the past? Had they been abandoned by God? These questions, almost too horrifying to consider, questions that hung just below the surface. Now, it might be easy to see this man as someone who is lost in despair. But that is not the case. Because this man does have a hope. This man who each day dreamed of his homeland, his true home, and his family, and all the things that he lost. His dreams were a stand-in for hope. And as long as there was hope, there was possibility, and the old man would hold on to the possibility of hope and a future with all the breath in his body and all the blood in his veins. And it might not have felt like much, but it was something. Something meant that meant that God had not abandoned them. There was hope in the midst. Looking into the darkness of exile, the darkness of lost and a broken world, it can seem hopeless for us too. It can seem hopeless that things will ever change, that those around us will ever change, that the world we live in will ever change. We all know at least some of the problems of the world, and we likely see the heaviness as well from time to time. Maybe you're even feeling that heaviness this Lenten season, this year, this season of life. Maybe you're feeling a bit stuck as we see injustice after injustice and the lack of understanding of one another seeming to grow in our world, and the divisions among people seem to dig deeper. Many might feel a sense of hopelessness, but we turn to the cross and that covenant promise that is written on our hearts. We look to that Easter promise and we remember that God has written on our hearts our hope and our salvation. 
that no matter how dark it might seem, we hold in ourselves a bright light. Not of rules to bring conformity, but of hope to bring about a new and better world built on the foundation of this covenant relationship that is God's love for each one of us. God's promise for a better world and new life found through Christ our Redeemer. Walking with us in the midst, in the exile, and promising to deliver us home to the new Jerusalem. Amen.